freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to episode number 376 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is free for Congress, and our guest today is Lucretia Free. Lucretia is a mom, a small business owner, and publisher of The Veil Voice and the American Woman Shooter magazine. Prior to moving to Tucson in the 1990s, Lucretia was one of the first marketing directors for large corporate law firms in the county in 2001. She moved uh, in the county, I'm sorry. In 2001, she moved to Arizona with her family and founded The Veil Voice, the hometown newspaper of Southeast Tucson, Vail and Corona de Tucson. Corona de Tucson, right. Uh, <laughs> using, her, using the understanding the needs of rural and often overlooked area of the state, Lucretia has been serving the needs of Southwest Pima County, Arizona for over 20 years and is running for U.S. Congress in the 2022 elections. Go. Awesome. Yeah. And welcome to the show, Lucretia. Hey, everybody. That is phenomenal. What a huge step. Holy cow. And, you know, really, maybe let's just start right there. How do you turn your life completely upside down and dive into a snake pit like politics? What is really? this driving force that that called you to do that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'd call it a snake pit, although I know some people feel that way about it. I think it's a wonderful opportunity, actually. I love that. Uh, I love yeah. That. And so one of the things that what I noticed, you know, when you go through your life, you don't necessarily realize the different things you're doing that bring you to the moment that you currently are in, right? But I can see now how having started the paper 20 years ago, and I also founded a group out here called the Southeast Regional Council, which allows citizens to interact directly with um, decision makers. Uh, elected officials, administrative and the state administrators in the state, uh, city and county level. It's always been about providing a voice, providing an opportunity for people to share their thoughts about things without the filter of some kind of editorial, editorial or some something written by a reporter that you know you may have heard have their own biases. This is people being able to speak uh, directly in their own voice. And that's why the Veil Voice is a different kind of community newspaper. So I don't have any reporters. Um, I have what I call writers and they're all local folks that um, you know, live in the area and they're maybe writing about you know, their, how to grow a garden in our area or something else that's going on in the area. Um, but it's very specific to this region. And I think that's one of the reasons that it always winds up on top when they're asked, uh, you know, where do you get your information from? The Veil Voice is always the number one. 
Wow. That is just phenomenal. And I do like that you have that, that optimistic view of, you know, going into this area to serve. And I think that there's such a distinction that we fail to make often enough between a politician who I think in my mind, that means they're kind of in it as a career for themselves versus a public servant who understands the role of being a representative of a body of people, a constituency. And um, I feel like what I'm hearing in your voice is that, you know, this isn't like your next big, well, I want to put this on my resume move. This is just an extension of what you've been doing for a long time. And that is trying to help give other people a voice, veil voice, right? And yeah, uh, um, that name, that name isn't by accident, you know, it, mm-hmm. it came from, from, from that issue. And I think that especially when we see folks that run for office too often, it's about a power grab for them. So trying to, you know, get that next rung, trying to make sure they have so many likes on what they're saying. And, you know, there's a whole industry that's designed about us being divided. You know, the industry wouldn't exist if we don't stay divided, if there was something about reconciliation, well, they would be out of a job. So, you know, one of the things that I'm really focused on is, are those areas of agreement within our party and focusing on that and being able to serve the folks that live in the Southeast, the the Southern um, Arizona region, because this really is a role where you're of service. It's a servant's role. (laughs) Yes. How how does it go from that, though? I mean, every it seems like all politicians go in there to serve, but then once they get in, then they want to control. (laughs) I said they all go in there to. I think they do. They they honestly have a heart that they want to serve people. But then once they get in, and you know, Tucson has some issues. There's some people there that are very controlling that are in power in Tucson. Yeah, um, and fortunately, this isn't a city role. So this is, you know, at the federal level. So it's a much larger region that goes all the way from Casa Grande, you know, Marana, Oro Valley, and down through Sierra Vista. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's easy for folks. Folks, you know, we are, we are human, and our humanness can sometimes come out. And I think people can lose their way. Maybe they have the best intentions. I'll, I'll optimistically agree with you that people, you know, that get into office perhaps have that same goal. But the reality is that we're seeing now, especially there are people that actually don't have that goal. They're really interested in doing, you know, doing power grabs and interested in maybe serving a certain portion of people that agree with them, but not necessarily everyone. And so, and that's tough because there are going to be people that are not going to like what I'm, what I, what I believe and say, and there are other people that will agree with it. That's what the political process is all about. And we'll have to see how that turns out at the, um, at the, at, the voting, at the voting booth, but one of the things that I know that I have done is I have knocked on over 7,000 doors oh, as I went forward to get my signatures. And so I feel like I have a pretty good handle on what uh, voters who are Republicans think and uh, feeling. And these may not be party people, they, they're just the regular folks out there that do the voting. Mm-hmm. And they were very clear on the things that they're concerned about. And you know, Lucretia, that brings up another point. You know, politicians have to hear from us because if they don't hear from us, then the ones that bark the loudest are going to get the the voice, right? And then you think that all your constituents, is that what it's called, right? Constituents, yes. They want this because that's what I'm hearing. But uh, silent people that gun owners, things like that, 
we're not real vocal yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to use our voice, uh, voice and we have to get out there and vote collectively, whether somebody agrees with what I'm saying or not. It's important for us all to get out there and vote. Right. Let our voice be heard. And, um, and elect elections have consequences. Right. And so Graciously we want to let our voice be heard. Yeah, um, right. Respectfully, when we yeah. speak to yes. our, our elected officials to, to speak logically and respectfully is so important. But yeah, good point. Down. You know, and you know, we've been doing this radio show for quite a while now. And back before Cheryl, BC, before Cheryl and I met, uh, that was ever 30, 38 years ago. <laughs> you know, you, you didn't think about how easy it is to talk to politicians. It's super easy to, to set an appointment or meeting or send an email or give your voice. And a lot of people just don't know that they think they're untouchable mm -hmm. and they're not. They want to be heard. Mm -hmm. They, they want to hear you, right? A lot of people think politicians right. are untouchable. Right, and they're not. And people want to be heard. Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, no, that's very true. And there's also those cases, though, where people reach out to politicians and they're not responsive. Mm -hmm. And just like your first bad relationship, that spoils all the ones to follow, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Because they have that in mind. Absolutely. And so we and so folks that are in office have a responsibility to be um, responsive to folks that take the time to reach out to them. And that's one of the things that I've had to do, even with the paper. You know, when people reach out to me and have a question about something, um, you know, because we the the area that I serve includes incorporated regions as well as unincorporated regions. And so there isn't a mayor or city council that manages this little part of the world that we're all in. Um, and so it's just really important to bring everyone together for this, uh, for the meetings that we have with the Southeast Regional Council, that we allow politicians and our elected officials, as well as administrators from various uh, constituencies, be able to interact directly with folks that live in the area. Because, you know, when you, you, when you call on the phone about a road issue, you get someone who's doing the best that they can for sure, but they're not always the person who's able to give you a, an appropriate response to your question. So we have the director of transportation on our call. We've got the director of planning and zoning. We've got uh, Supervisor Steve Christie, who is our uh, Pima County Super Board of Supervisors elected official. And they're very responsive to the concerns of folks that they hear from on those calls. And that's one of the reasons that that group has been so successful. Well, and I'm hearing you say that you understand the importance of collaboration and you know how to cause collaboration to happen and come together. That is such a key um, uh, piece of success, I think, for anyone who's in a, a public servant role, because, you know, you have your own personal ideas, then you have a constituency that's, you know, divided, you know, you've got... Uh, Republicans and Democrats in your district, they're both talking to you. And then how do you draw that all together, tie it to the constitution and make the best decisions for, for your uh, constituency? It, it's hard, but it sounds like you really get that because you've had advisors uh, in your realm and you've collaborated with people at a high level. Absolutely. It's about getting the right folks together in the room and being able to brainstorm and see if, if there are areas of commonality. And, you know, nine times out of 10, yeah, of course there are. Mm -hmm. But when you live on the outside areas yeah. where we're screaming yeah. and yelling at one another because we vehemently disagree, you can't move forward. 
And so when I go around and have spoken with folks and I've had the pleasure, honor and pleasure of folks inviting me into their home when I knock on their door, you know, you know, when somebody opens the door and you show up with a clipboard and a pen and they invite you into their home, that they're an open person because most people are kind of shimmying behind the door and don't want to. <laughs> Right. I don't want her to hear me. I don't, I don't know what she's selling, but I don't want anything to do with this clipboard and pen person. Who's <laughs> right. door. And so, um, you know, when they invite me into their home and, and without a doubt, the majority of people, the significant majority of people are saying they want someone who can get stuff done for people that live in the region. Yeah. They're tired of the yelling. They're tired of the divisiveness. They're tired of that. And they're concerned about some really specific areas. And those areas are are concerned about the state of our economy. Inflation is higher than it's ever been since the 1980s. I've got people that are in the district, of course, that are on fixed incomes. And so when uh, the groceries go up, when they can't buy meat, I was talking to a veteran who was saying, you know, it used to be a choice between what, getting your medicine and getting food. Now it's a choice between trying to figure out how to get food and how to fill up your gas tank. You know, so I mean, and these are, these are real, these are those kitchen table issues that affect this is what they're talking about in their homes. Yeah. Um, you know, the high cost of food, the high cost of gas. Um, they're concerned about the state of our economy. And yeah. so they're looking for um, some relief from that. And they're looking for leadership that acknowledges that everything isn't rosy. Okay. It's just right. not rosy. And so how do we get ourselves back on the right track? They're also concerned about the fact that we are reliant so much on a uh, foreign countries for our sustenance. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, do we really want to be buying oil for figuring out oil deals with Venezuela and Iran? Uh, I don't think so. Not when we have the ability and the resources within our own country. And it certainly isn't as if in an instant, everything is going to turn around. I'm not naive. Right. I know it, it's a process. It's going to take right. some time, but can we get on that road? So that we're not reliant on, on uh, you know, bad actors for our own, uh, you know, well-being and sustenance. Exactly. The question is, why aren't we on that road already? You know, well, I mean, how, how did this all happen? How did we become so, into, you know, dependent so on depend other nations? Right. Um, well, you know, you've got to know what's in the rearview mirror, I suppose, to know uh, how to navigate what's in the, the uh, windshield. But um, it's important that we have people that that are engaged, like Lucretia, and ready to start tackling some of those problems. Because right now it feels like, you know, it, we're all so concerned with, well, how did inflation start? We're more concerned with the blame, which I think is the rearview mirror, right. rather than, well, let's find a solution that doesn't then tie us to more compromises, right. as you say, you know, working with nations that they don't share our values and we can, you know, supply ourselves. Why would we work with nations that cause us to compromise our values? It's You're craziness right. we can't to go, me. But... We can't look in the mirror and fix it. We have to go, we have to look forward and fix it. Right. Yes. And I'm a forward looking uh, campaign. You know, I, I believe that it's in order to win the hearts and minds of more Republicans who are, I'm proudly a member of the Republican party, the, the only way we can go forward and win the hearts and minds of more voters and more folks uh, to become Republicans in the future is to offer a message of hope and promise and, and, oh and steadfastness and holding to our values and moving forward. And that's Absolutely. how we do it. Absolutely. So um, right now, everything seems like a mess. Like we're, there's so much division. 
there's so much going on out there that's this cancel culture. You know, if you say the one wrong sentence or, or something, people want you wiped off the face of the earth and never to be heard from again. Um, and we definitely experience that in the gun rights, the pro gun rights community, people who are you know, pro constitution, people who are firearms owners, uh, and we wear all those hats. Um, you giving voice to people uh, in, in this arena, you published a magazine called The American Woman Shooter. So that's really, you know, people who own firearms right there, cancel women who own firearms. Wait a minute. Right. Because we know that moms moms demand action tells us that all females, all women hate guns, which obviously we know that is not true. Absolutely. Um, So you have this magazine that can kind of, you know, gives voice to a lot of people in those categories, the American woman shooter. Talk to us about that magazine, how it came about. Uh, Go. Yeah. uh, Yes. Um, Thank you so much for mentioning that. I have to be clear that it's not in production anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, I did have it for a number of years and just continuing along in that same thing of giving folks a voice who uh, typically have not been heard from. Now, I'm not the only, I wasn't the only women's magazine and I'm not the only one touting women shooters. So I'm going to be clear about that. There's other folks that are also doing a wonderful job. One of the reasons, though, that I got started in this was, um, and I'm not proud of this, but I have a story of uh, being very fearful of people who owned guns in my past. So, um, and thinking that people who owned guns, you know, had to be crazy because right. who would want to who would want to shoot a gun? I mean, that's just that's insane. And that was I'm sh- I'm ashamed to say that was my mindset. Um, early on. And then a friend said, oh, you know, let's, let's go to the range and go shooting. And I was like, yikes, do I really want to do that? And he said, yes, you do. And so I said, okay. So I went and boy, am I glad that I did because stereotype, stereotypes can be held by all of us. And I was one who held them. And again, I'm ashamed that I did that, but that was dispelled as soon as I went to the range and I saw a number of folks there um, there were kids that were there with their parents. There were women that were there with these blinged out, you know, guns that were, like, you know, yes. being their highest and best selves, loving to just like, you know, shoot there. And there were other people that were, you know, very serious about it and, you know, that kind of thing. So it was just a great um, wide diaspora of folks that enjoy shooting. And I am now one of those people that enjoy shooting. And so there are people that do, um, uh, shooting sports, you know, cowboy action shooting and other kinds of shooting for a sport. There are those of us that enjoy just going to the range randomly on a Saturday or Sunday to try to, you know, get the target. There are other people that uh, carry for, you know, personal safety reasons. Um, there's just a wide range of why people carry guns. But the thing that I was very fascinated by were the stories of the women that I heard when I was at the range that day. And so there was the woman who was in her 70s who lived in a rural area in Arizona. And she, her da- she was there with her daughter and they were learn- she wanted her mother to learn how to shoot because she was in a rural area. Anyway, how long will it take the police to get there if something goes down? Not that our, I support our police and they're doing a fantastic job. Um, I also know that in some of these rural areas, it can take a minute you know, when the, you don't have a police station right down the street. And so she wanted to very much get educated on the self-protection aspect. There was another woman there who was shooting with a rifle, not a handgun, and she literally shoots elk in the winter for her food. 
Right. You know, I don't know. Some people think that magically meat shows up. There's like this meat store. <laughs> and so meat just kind of shows up and it's already packaged in the plastic. And, you know, you just pick it up from the meat store and it's delivered to the grocery store and then you, you know, take it home. And, you know, of course, you know, that's a living being, you know, a living, a living animal. And so it has to be, uh, you know, prepared in such a way. And I've never seen folks that are hunters that are so respectful of the land Absolutely. and so respectful of the process. Absolutely. Um, this isn't done lightly or, or um, you know, for, for, for someone who is, doesn't care about the earth. These are the true environmentalists in so many ways because they care very much about what they do and cleaning up after themselves. And there's a process for doing this. And so, um, so yeah, so I met women like that, that literally, you know, do that, they cut up the, the meat and they put it in their freezer and that's what feeds them. Absolutely. And so it's just, it was just an incredible, again, a journey out of my own ignorance um, and learning. I thought, wow, if somebody like me, cause I would have told, if you would have asked me um, in the early 2000s, whether I was an open-minded person, I would have argued with you. I absolutely am an open-minded person, but what, what did my actions show? Didn't show that I was open-minded when it came to gun owners. And so I'm a, I think a really good person to talk to about that because I am someone who held that judgment um, foolishly. And so now I'm a very big proponent, obviously, and, and I am a gun owner myself um, of, of the gun industry and of folks who like to go out and shoot and gun. There's no, no group of people who are more careful about guns than people who, who shoot and are part of this, this industry that we're in. And so just telling the stories of, of those women who I met at the range and, um, and expanding it out uh, brought more broadly to across the entire country and just really highlighting and celebrating women who shoot. Yes, absolutely. And I think that, you know, when people like yourself have gone through that journey, and it was because you opened yourself to, you know, going with a friend to do something completely out of your comfort zone. Uh, and then you come to a different realization. Those are the most impactful um, testimonies. Yes. Right. Uh, you know, somebody that's just always grown up with guns like myself and, you know, that who cares really. But then to be able to hear if, especially if I'm on the other side and I am fearful of guns or people who own guns, to be able to hear from you say, man, I am, I used to be just like you, mm -hmm. right? And then here's this experience I had, here's these people I met and I have this other way of thinking and feeling about it now that it gives people such a, a comfort that, you know, uh, you're speaking absolute truth, not propaganda you know, so I appreciate your journey and, uh, you know, it wasn't that you were being foolish. You just, you hadn't had the experiences yet. And yeah. So well, when I grew up again, I grew up in rural Ohio. It was one of those areas where, uh, I was surrounded by cornfields and it was a Creek that ran through the back of the house and Stover's farm was just over the rise. And every morning I woke up to the smell, either a fresh cut grass from my dad cutting lawn or cow manure from Stover's farm. <laughs> It was a time, it was just such a, a glorious time and space that I appreciate now at the time, of course, I didn't appreciate it at all. But, you know, um, as an adult looking back, it's just, it was just a really wonderful experience. And I didn't realize that with the creek that we had running through the back of the yard, we would catch crawdads and yeah. keep them in jars as pets. And I was well into adulthood before I realized that people actually eat those crawdads. That were yeah. 
I have not. Like, oh. but I hear, I hear that people do. God it's love a them. Thing. It's a thing, Cheryl. So yeah, but more for anyway. them. So <laughs> I give my portion over to someone else. You know, really, one day I'll finally eat one and then go, what have I been missing all these years? You know, you know maybe, maybe. Lucretia, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that you were uh, taught how to, to shoot by a responsible gun owner took you out shooting and you and you loved it and and got involved because we see doing the radio show we've seen several people that have hated guns but then became a victim of crime and then mm -hmm. then got introduced into the guns and are now strong gun people but responsible gun owners but, had to go through but they had to go through pain horrible. to get there yes. and so i you know if if we could introduce this to people more then maybe they wouldn't have to go through that pain you know maybe yeah. they'd be able to defend themselves so thank you for that mm -hmm. and one of the things that i worry about with with you know people that say they like guns some people the i'm going to say politicians okay. they they say yeah i like guns but you know the there's no reason to have well, there's no reason to have an ar-15 because you know that's yeah. a military grade weapon and that kind of thing. I said weapon. I, I never say that word. But <laughs> so, you know, we have to learn to respect other people's uh, interests and desires too. And so just because you like shotguns doesn't mean that another person that likes AR-15s can't have AR-15s. And we have to understand that, you know, most gun owners are responsible gun owners. And we have a thing called the Second Amendment doesn't restrict us from any type of firearm. And so, have you ever shot an AR-15? They are like so cool to shoot at the rain. Oh, oh my are. gosh. Listen, yes. Yes. Yeah, they're a lot That's of fun. It's like telling somebody right. they shouldn't have a Lamborghini. You know, what do you need a Lamborghini for? Right. So, because I want to. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm allowed to. And this is America and we can do that right. as long as I exactly. operate. <laughs> but our Second Amendment, just, just our Second Amendment does not have any butts in it. Right. They're not a butt in the whole thing. 27 words and the word butt is not one of them. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about the office that you are seeking. So this yeah. is uh, at the federal level, as you said earlier, uh, but you'll be representing our state. So what are some of the top issues you're running on and how will you find that balance between the needs of our state and the needs of the nation? Well, again, as I said before, the economy, supporting our economy and supporting small business owners is you know, a very important part of my platform. We all saw at the beginning of the pandemic how winners and losers were chosen, right? So small business owners were apparently the losers. <laughs> and Not so we've essential. all lost, yeah, excuse me. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and our church churches also were considered to be non-essential. And, um, but we saw at the, um, at the early, we've all lost a favorite restaurant that we used to go to or a favorite small business. As a small business owner, I can say we put our heart and soul, our finances, everything into these businesses. And we're all prepared for some succeeding and some not succeeding because of market conditions, but my goodness, none of them expected that they were supposed to operate on a 20% occupation model. You know, that's just not a thing in business. Yeah. You know, nobody's business plan made that accommodation. And so it was just really tough for our small business community. And so I'm really concerned about government overreach. Um, let's let market conditions play out as they may. I'm very concerned about government overreach into, into business in general, small businesses uh, in particular. And um, also, as I was saying before, the inflation is higher than it's been since the 1980s. And these are, this is what I'm hearing from the folks that I meet 
um, and something has to be done about it and trillion dollar government programs are not the way to go forward when you have an economy like it is now. And then also the pr high prices of gas, which existed before Ukraine. Right. Now everything is trying to be bundled into Ukraine. Oh, this is all about Ukraine. No, this existed before Ukraine <laughs> and is, is going to continue to get worse. And I don't like seeing a president, um, you know, trying to beg with an OPEC. It's not a good look. Trying to talk to, you know, Venezuela and Iran. That's not a good look. Not when we have the capability within our own country. Um, and you know, for people who are environmentalists, you know, what better country to do that than our country? Are we going to trust those places to be environmentally friendly? Absolutely not. You know, we have the technology and all to, to be safe. I'm sure, of course, accidents can happen as they can happen anywhere and everywhere. But, uh, you know, in general, it's safe and it's an effective way for us to take care of our own citizens. I think the Ukrainian war really kind of woke up so many to how quickly things can change and how important it is for us to uh, support financially our military. Mm -hmm. um, how we need to have a military that's very well-funded and state-of-the-art and ready at any time because the world is a dangerous place and things can flip and change very quickly. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, the whole idea of, you know, what our rights are, what our traditions are, what our values are, what your constituents are asking for, uh, at the federal level, there is this huge push again, because every time there's a Democratic uh, president, there's this huge push against our Second Amendment freedoms. And uh, just this past week, we're sitting in the studio on Monday, April 4th, 2022. This past weekend, there was an incident in Sacramento where some people got in a fight at a bar and then guns were drawn one of the guns turns out was stolen, right? So the, the gun is stolen, murders happen. Somehow at the federal level, we're hearing President Biden tell us responsibly armed citizens that we have to take the brunt of that and give up some of our rights. And he said that before they knew who, what, where, or when. Right. Okay. Well, because it, it fits a particular narrative, right? So right. there's a there's a rush whenever an unfortunate situation like that happens. Um, then the first the knee jerk reaction to fit the narrative is, oh, you know, we've got to do something about people who own guns. But as you said, Cheryl, you know, people who these are responsible gun owners, and so responsible gun owners should not be held accountable for a small band of people who obviously are mentally ill. And so you know that's. Uh, that's the way that I look at that situation. Yeah, we're going to go into more details on this at closing of this. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it, it's it's a shame because we the responsible gun owner is being penalized for some someone that they probably don't enforce the laws that we have right now. You know, these guys that are doing repeat crimes, they they go and they do it again and again, and they get slapped on the hands, even for violent crime. Mm -hmm. And it's so that's not going to solve the problem. Absolutely. No, it is not. So you will uh, make that part of your platform to protect our rights, our Second Amendment rights? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so as we're starting to wrap up, uh, this is a question I'd like to ask all people who are running for office, because uh, there are other uh, people seeking the same office from all kinds of parties, right? We've got independents, libertarians, Democrats, Republicans. 
what makes you uniquely qualified to become our next Arizona representative? Well, thank you for that question. It just seems as though this moment is the perfect culmination of everything that I have done. So laying the groundwork of having worked, uh, setting up marketing departments for law firms where a portion of what I did was strategic planning and market research, but it also included collateral. So that laid the groundwork for me knowing how to put together a newspaper. So then when I came to uh, Arizona, being able to understand how to put together a publication that again provided a voice for people, starting the Southeast Regional Council um, and being able to work together with people from disparate backgrounds. I don't even know what the political backgrounds are, the people that go, it doesn't matter. We're working toward common goals and working on common issues. And so it's that kind of sensibility that I'd like to bring to Washington. I have to learn how to play in the sandbox well with others. You can't go in big, bad, and bold. I'm gonna do this as a freshman congressman. Um, you have to build coalition and uh, get the right people at the table and make stuff happen. And it's a servant role. Um, and I'm interested in being a servant for Southern Arizona. I love it. Well, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for stepping up into a place of service in this way. We, when I have these kind of interviews, uh, when, sorry, Dan and I have these kind of interviews, it, uh, this is Arizona based mostly, you know, but you will serve at a federal level, but we have listeners literally all over the world, wherever there is internet, we have listeners. And so I, I'm always conscious that, you know, well, if somebody's sitting at home going, well, I'm not in Arizona, I don't really care about this, that there's a, a larger purpose. And the purpose is, I think, to encourage people to say, you know, look at this citizen who could just keep doing, you know, the veil voice, keep working, you know, in the areas that you're working, but you see that there is a bigger mission uh, that you can play a significant role in. And instead of, you know, saying, well, maybe somebody else will step up, looking to the left, looking to the right, you looked in the mirror and you said, yeah, somebody needs to do it. I'm a somebody. And I just admire that so much. Thank you for that. Oh, well, thank you so much. And if people are interested in reaching out to me, or this is a grassroots campaign, and so could certainly use uh, donations of any size, uh, go to free, the number four congress.com. And you'll see my website. And there's a place where you can reach out to me and share with me your concerns, because I want to hear from everyone as well about, you know, sort of what they're thinking and what they're feeling, especially about this broadcast. And so, you know, just appreciate uh, your uh, ability to have me on the program today and appreciate any support that's out there. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We really will be checking back in and seeing how things are going and cheering you on. Um, but God bless. And uh, we will be cheering you from this side. Thank you for having me on. Thank Thanks, you. Thank Lucretia. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, it's great to see people wanting to get out there and do some, make some changes. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. And Tucson needs help. Uh, the state needs help. The federal needs help. Yeah. But she's, you know, being in Tucson, it will help there too. Yeah, for sure. Um, I feel like we kind of unpacked the thing about, you know, the yeah. reaction to, you know, evil people doing murderous things with stolen items how do new laws possibly, you know, that right. are only going to impact us? Well, the thing that, how you does know, that possibly make any difference? Right. The things that we didn't cover is that, you know, 
so the, the news flash is that Sacramento, six people killed, 12 people injured. They, at the time that I read this, they didn't say anything about any kind of firearms that were used. They didn't know. But this morning they said one was a stolen handgun. But before we knew that, Biden uh, went, on, went on one of, you know, he made a, a rant. And I read it on Fox News that um, we need to have a, all guns go through a background check. So even the stolen ones? Well, wait, we don't, I'm going to get to that. Okay. This is what he said. We need a background check for all guns. Okay. No ghost guns. Because high, there's a ghost gun oh, involved? Wait, high, cap, high capacity magazines and military grade guns. Now, this was all said before they knew what was used mm -hmm. in this crime. Right. Then we find out it was a stolen gun. Mm -hmm. A stolen handgun would not go to, if you steal a gun, do you have to do a background check? I guess like, so. Why not? Work? Why not make that law? If you steal a gun, you still have to do a background check. And that way they can put one more tag of what you did wrong, right? Well, when they find the person, because apparently bad guy or bad girl is still at large. Yes, maybe more than two. But it wasn't a high capacity gun. It wasn't a military grade gun. It wasn't a ghost gun. It, it wasn't a background check. Why are we jumping to they? It's almost like the Democrats, mostly Democrats, but the politicians are looking for something to happen so that they can have a cause mm -hmm. to make another law that doesn't work anyway. Right. Just more restrictions Those, on us. Right. The stolen gun was against the law to have. Right. It's, you can't own a gun if it's stolen. Right. The shooting was most likely against the law, not in self-defense from what we can see. Right. Well, were they defending themselves against six people? We don't know. Were killed? And 12 we don't people. know, but yeah. you don't jump to that's a good, that's you know, an excellent point, right? You don't just jump to that. And it shows you the real image of what they are, right? Are they really trying to serve? No, no, they want to control. They're trying to control. And so they're almost like, yay, there was another shooting today. Now we can go up on TV and say, we need to get rid of those deadly guns. Right. He's talking about uh, some kind of executive order is, yeah. I don't know if he's talking about the so-called one he'd done before, or if he's thinking of another one. But, um, you know, when you look at, you know, it's like diagnosing a, if you have a malady in your body, right? And so, you know, you tell the doctor, yeah, I don't really feel good. And he doesn't even ask you the details of how you don't feel good. He just already- Yeah, we're gonna cut your leg off. Yeah, yeah. right, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's, that is the way this, this political stuff works and shows you that they're not public servants. They're not serving our, our constitution that they gave an oath to defend and protect. So- And what kind of law, a, a guy that's carrying a stolen gun, what kind of law can you make that he's not gonna break? Exactly. That's, that's the whole thing. thing. But, but what do we do? We penalize the, uh, the responsibly armed citizen. Exactly. We penalize them. It's crazy. It's right. Wait, first of all, it's Sacramento. Right. Do they have like, are their gun laws as easy as they are for us? Maybe. Are they more restrictive there? They're more, more restrictive there, but yet they had a shooting there. Right. So, you know, wake up. Absolutely. All right. Well, that was Danny's commentary. It's just really day. irritating. This just, you know, it is, but we have got to wrap and uh, thank you so much to Lucretia free and everyone like Lucretia who is stepping up, there are so many citizens who for the first time are feeling that call and answering that call to serve yeah. and, and to you know, give a good 
a true voice of the people that she lives with, works with every day in the political forum, right? right? It's so important. And I, I admire everybody who is taking that huge step. Um, yes, and- learn more about her and support her. Absolutely. Because campaigns take money and volunteers. So please, if you have any ability to do that, please uh, go to her website. I think it was um, free for Congress with the number four. F-R-E-E number four Congress. Yeah. All right. And thank you to our amazing listeners all over the world. And when you take these conversations uh, into your uh, your carpools, your dinner table conversations into your spheres of influence. That's everything. And we value that so much. You could be doing anything, being anywhere, but you are here with us. And uh, we thank you for that. If you'd like to rewatch any portion of this interview or see any of our others uh, in the video version, go to YouTube, go to GunStreamer, or go to the Opslin smartphone app and Uh, click the subscribe and the notifications button. If you want to hear the audio only version, go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com. Click the on demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content. You know, we are also on other platforms like Spotify, right? And, um, you know, I was listening to Spotify the other day and scrolling through and I was like, oh, that's us. (laughs) Wait, we're on Spotify. I forget to say that all the time. Uh, we want to be, you know, where you are. And so we are on a lot of those kinds of platforms. And if you want to learn more about any of our subject matter experts that we've ever interviewed, click our guest tab on gunfreedomradio.com. It is a humongous, amazing resource. And when you spend time there, you don't hate that. All right. Until next time, we are going to pray for our nation, pray for our leaders, all of them stepping into these leadership roles, just like Lucretia Free, yeah. and yes, all, all of them, of them. Dan, yeah. even the ones we don't like, Ooh. maybe especially the ones we don't like. And uh, until next time, be good to each other, have a great week, and God bless. Bye-bye.